Welcome to the official business and lifestyle legends podcast. Real life stories, exciting interviews, and a lot of knowledge to change your life. And here is your host of today's episode, Ben Schneider. Today's episode is powered by jobmofi.com. Jobmofi.com is a job search platform where you can hire a remote worker from the overseas, from all over the world, and you can sell your services on the marketplace. So if you need a remote worker, a designer, a virtual assistant, a web designer, developer, or anything else, go on jobmofi.com, sign up for free, only verified users, no fakes, no scam. Check it out, 14 days free trial on jobmofi.com. Welcome to the Business and Lifestyle Legends podcast. My name is Ben Schneider. I'm the host of this episode. And today I got another awesome guest for you. He is a best-selling author, contributor of Forbes, and he's mentioned in Harvard Business Review, Business Insider, Forbes Entrepreneur, Fortune, NBC News, Wired, TechCrunch, Inc., and so many more. Please, guys, welcome Jono Bacon. Hey, Jono, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for being here. So you are the specialist in building communities for brands. Um, right. So we had a little talk before and we were talking about social media, that um, building a community is part of the social media game today. Mm. Um, but I, what I was realizing is that it's sometimes easier to build a personal brand than being a corporate brand. Mm. So what is your point uh, of view on that firstly? And then secondly, um, let's dive into the how to build a community if you are a brand, because I think there's, yep. that's not so easy because you don't have the personality as a human. Right. Yeah. I mean, so there's a couple of thoughts wrapped up in this. One is, um, you know, communities are this amazing phenomenon that we've seen for thousands of years, right? Is that if you think about it, if you've got a hundred people, let's say there's a hundred of your listeners, um, each one of those people has got different ideas and perspectives and time and expertise and experiences. And when you bring those, all of those things out into the open in a collaborative environment, then we can learn and we can benefit from each other and we can collaborate more effectively together. So that's one of the reasons why communities are so powerful. But communities are really the intersection of many different pieces, right? There's kind of a, there's a, a collaboration component, like wh what do you do with each other? But as you touched on, there is a brand piece as well, is, is what, what is the brand implications for that community? So when you're talking about people building personal brands, right? A lot of people who build personal brands, they tend to focus on social media and photography and outreach and things like that to, so they can emphasize their brand kind of um i guess you could say the brand values right so if somebody's kind of a really let's say they're a footballer and they're a really cool footballer right they want to emphasize that as part of their personal brand but when it comes to communities where the power especially is for companies is that when 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 part of the your commercial brand is a sense of collaboration and working together and doing meaningful things that's where you can get incredible results a good example of this is fitbit you know if you go to the Fitbit community, there's over 2 million people in there. Most people there are not talking about their Fitbit trackers. What they're talking about is 
How do I get better stride when I'm running? How do I swim more effectively? How do I do intermittent fasting better? And what it does is it makes the, the Fitbit brand feel like they're invested in your success as opposed to just trying to sell you more exercise trackers. So that's why I think there's, there's so much opportunity there. Okay, it makes total, total sense. But how do you structure uh, a strategy for a company? So let's say, for example, yep. we, we can uh, use that an, uh, as an example. Uh, we have built up jobify.com, which is a job search platform where you can hire remote workers from the overseas. And yep. um, we have just launched a couple of months ago. So yeah, you mentioned a Fitbit uh, example, but how to strategize um, that for the for a company? Yeah, ex yeah, great question. So let me tell you about the mistake that most companies make that I think your listeners want to avoid. Right? Most companies, what they do when they try to build a community is they create a Slack channel, they create a forum, um, or or a group. And then they say, hey, check it out. There's our community. You can go there and spend time there. And what happens is you get a little bump at the beginning and then it basically quietens down and then no one goes back because it's a ghost town. The reason why people don't go is because there's not enough of a value proposition for them. You know, we've got a billion distractions that are pulling us in a million different directions, right? Work, family, whatever's on Netflix right now is all pulling <laughs> us away. So if you want to get people into your community, you've got to have a very clear value proposition. So then the question is, okay, well, how do you define that value proposition? The best way to do it is to think about who your audience are and what are the things that they struggle with? What are their pain points, right? So let's say we're, we're building a community of photographers, right? And photographers, let's say they struggle to pick the right kind of lenses or how to work with clients or they struggle with how to promote themselves and their businesses. When you invert those pain points, it then gives you the value that your community should provide. So if they struggle with choosing lenses, then maybe your community can help create a place where they can discover late, the latest lenses, get reviews and insights and things like that. So you invert the, 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 the problems that they've got to generate the value proposition. Now, then the next question is, okay, well, how do we now get people into a community? Well, the first thing you need is a shared space, a place where people can gather together. Um, this usually begs the question, do I have a chat channel or do I have something like a forum? Chat channels are not the best way to build community, something like Slack. They're good for instant messaging. They're good for pinging your teammates. But when you build a community around something such as a forum, the benefit there is, let's say you go into the community, Ben, and you ask a question and then I respond to your question. The benefit then is that that Q&A combination gets indexed on Google and then people, when they're searching and trying to solve their problems, they find it on Google and then it brings them into the community. When you've got something like Slack, you don't have any of that, right? Because it's all buried into that history that no one can find. So what you do is you choose a platform like that is what I would recommend. And then what you, what, ideally what you do is you, uh, it takes about two months to build a habit. If you want to drink less booze, if you want to exercise more regularly, if you want to start a new hobby, it takes about two months to go from trying to do something to actively, like it becomes part and parcel of your world. So I would map out what is the first two months of the community experience and give them a lot of great content, lots of conversation starters to kind of get their insights and their ideas, give them a reason to come back into that platform. Um, solving those pain points and that's what will get the kind of the wheels turning with a new community uh, got it you mentioned the, the the index at Google with forums 
yeah. the problem is that forums are a little bit outdated, right? So everybody is in Facebook groups and what you mentioned, Slack channels, WhatsApp groups or stuff like that, which unfortunately are not getting indexed in Google, um, but people like to use it. So uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I was on forums. Uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, right. Uh, you're completely right. When I'm searching for something uh, in Google, it leads me to a forum, and then I start um, reading there. But I would not um, sign up in a forum to be part of that forum anymore because there are. YouTube channels, Facebook groups, all that kind of stuff. So what do you think about that? Yeah, so I think you raise a good point. So there are, there's many forum platforms out there. And to be honest with you, a lot of them look like, look like they were built in the 90s and stayed in the 90s, right? They suck. Um, and because they are. <laughs> right, and, 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 and I wouldn't, wouldn't, recommend, wouldn't recommend that. However, there are a number of more modern forum platforms that have, that have broken the mold. Um, a good example is a platform called Discourse, which I use with a lot of my clients. Um, the challenge that you, you're kind of lifting, lifting up a rock and identifying a real challenge that a lot of companies face with communities, which is you can go to Facebook, for example, and create a Facebook group. And a Facebook group is a forum, right? It's just in Facebook. And the benefit of that is that everybody's in Facebook. But the problem is that you're in a walled garden at that point. You don't have access to a lot of data and analytics that will help you to then build growth elsewhere in your business. And the other downside is that you're at the whim of the Facebook algorithm. So the Facebook algorithm gets to decide who shows the right content to the right kind of people in the same way that you get that with all, of, all, all social media. But on the other side, you've got, you've got places like uh, Slack and Telegram and places like that. I've worked in the course of my career, I've worked with hundreds of companies and being a part of hundreds of Slack instances. And in almost every single one of them, there's a lot of people who are registered and there's almost no discussion. And you can't build a community when there's almost no discussion. And the reason why is because people use those channels primarily to kind of have one-on-one -on -one conversations with each other in a private direct message, right? Very rarely is there actually a lot of conversation that happens in the, in the group space. So then you are confronted with, okay, well, there's not a lot of group conversation going on and we don't have the benefits of it being indexed and we're living in somebody's walled garden. At that point, to me, it's kind of, there's too many disadvantages. So to me, I don't think people have a fundamental objection to forums. I think what they have is a fundamental objection to terrible communities. And if you look at the communities that are very successful, like Fitbit, what they've done is they've created a really simple means for people to get a lot of value out of it. So forums are imperfect and they are frankly suboptimal in many cases, but part of the reason why you, you get the most popular, most scalable communities on forums is because even though they have these disadvantages, they are by far, I believe, the right tool for the job. Which tool is uh, Fitbit using? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think they're using lithium, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, one one of the issues that I've had, and one of the one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a fan of discourse is that, you know, and this is an issue with technology is there are some technologies that just don't innovate, right? And I think what happened is, you know, the forums like the PHBBs and you know, the vanillas of the day, just never really grew, 
um, and they never really changed. And one of the things I like about Discourse is I'll give you one tiny example. So Discourse was created by, co-created by this guy called Jeff Atwood, who I think is one of the most talented people at building collaborative software. And Jeff uh, co-created Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange, which many engineers especially use. And um, one tiny thing that he that his team put into practice was you know one of the things that sucks about forums is pagination like you read some you have a bunch of discussions then you got to click on the second page and then you got to click on the third page to see the next set of discussions and that's just a pain in the ass like nobody wants that whereas what do we love about social media as you scroll more and more content just magically appears over and over again so with discourse they just ended up adding a lot of those little kind of features that you're familiar with in social media that make it much easier to kind of navigate and then you've got the the benefit of forums is that just the information architecture is much more simple than something like a chat channel where everything's kind of merged together and it's very difficult to break it out okay so uh for the people who are listening is it discourse.org that's correct yeah uh, okay okay just uh, in case someone uh, wants to check it out um yeah, yeah. well i also have experienced um during my past uh, 15 years uh, in online business and also always trying to build communities is that it's hard to build a community because it's not about the number you have in your channel it's about the active users what you mentioned before with the slack channel the problem is that we have it in ourselves that we are readers we are not writers we are readers we are in the channel and we grab out the nuggets for us but we do not leave uh, our two cents every day on that channel. Mm. So that's why there is no discussion because uh, we sit in front of our smartphones or computers and we just scroll um, through the through the feeds um, and we just read, we just consume, but we do not um, yeah, g give our opinion on something because I think um, that's uh, a human behavior because you don't want to be blamed for your opinion or something like that. Um, that's why you don't tell um, anybody about your opinion. What do you think about the reader's behavior? That's an interesting point. I mean, there's no doubt that the vast majority of people who use the internet are reading the internet. You know, they're they're reading communities and websites and whatever else there's a lot more people who are reading blog posts than writing blog posts for example um, um, and I don't think there's any way around that because I think that if you are if you've got a problem like often when we're using the internet or when we come to communities it's because we've got something that we need to fix something that we need to or we've got an ambition that we want to, to strive for and therefore we'll scan around and we'll try to find the right kind of content that will help help us achieve that but then if we can't find the right solution for that, invariably, that's when we'll start posting. That's when we'll start asking questions. So to me, there's two pieces into this. One is, how do you make sure that you um, break down the barrier to make it as simple and as comfortable for people to post as possible? And then secondly, how do you ensure that people get the right kind of answers when they do post something? You know, I don't build communities with the expectation that everybody's going to be uh, even register. Uh, for, 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 for a community. You know, to me, the great value of many communities is the fact that there's so much information has been assembled by a group of people that can then be read by another group of people. Um, and ultimately what happens is that tends to, uh, that builds that kind of brand association with the community and then um, ultimately later on, if they do 
feel comfortable in posting, they will do. So to give you an example, you know, to go back to something like a Fitbit, it wouldn't surprise me if, at, at all if there's millions of people who read the Fitbit community because they find they find interesting conversations that are, that are alluding to their own issues that they're trying to resolve, and then they never register. But if you keep if you keep searching on Google for something and you keep being brought back into the Fitbit community over and over again and finding a lot of value in it, which is what you get with communities, um, then if they do have a question, they're going to be much more likely to go and post there than to go somewhere else because they've seen that it's it's a very it's a passionate but a, a respectful place with really uh, really really good discussion. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we'll match the number of writers and readers. Um, but I also think there's just an element of just the digital divide because, you know, I don't know about you, Ben, but when I'm down the pub with a bunch of my friends, it's very wow. easy to share your opinions. It's very easy to have a conversation. Um, but I think doing it online is it feels like work. Uh, and that's why you get a much smaller group of people who will actually create that that material. Yeah, I definitely agree uh, with that because when you're with your friends, it's uh, what you mentioned, it's easy because you wouldn't be blamed for your opinion. But if you shout it out on the internet, there are a bunch of people who, no matter what, you, what you're saying, there are people who don't like it. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a huge problem out there. So how to set this all up? Um, to, yep. to create a community. Do we need YouTube channels? Do we need to be present on every platform out there? Or should we focus on one platform? How, how do I set this up? Yep. So let's first of all, to answer that, let's first of all talk about the philosophy and then let's talk about the practice. So the philosophy of, of, of what, what the, the fundamental thing that makes all communities that work, work well, the two things. One is that you create your community based upon a principle that Seth Godin, who's a famous marketeer, has, which is when we're of service to other people, um, good things happen to us. You know, so if you're constantly trying to help your fellow human being achieve their goals, solve their problems, then just wonderful things will happen to you. I've seen this happen time and time again in my career. And we want that in our community. We want to create a shared space where we're investing in everybody, in each other's success. Uh, and that requires being generous. Like, um, is that if somebody's, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I, I want all the benefits of a community. I want brand recognition and I want followers and growth and all the rest of it. But you don't have the time to be generous and to invest in helping other people, people to be successful. Don't even start because you won't be successful. Um, but the other element is that when you build a community and people come and they feel a sense of belonging, that's the ultimate goal is where someone joins a community, they get to know people, they get a lot of value out of it, and then they feel like they're part of something. And that's what will commit people to communities for many, many years. So that's the philosophy. In terms of the practice, this is what I'd recommend you do if, if, if you've never done this before, is, is first of all is to choose a shared space. Let's say you register a discourse forum, something along those lines. And then identify 10 to 20 people who you know and trust in your business, for example, and bring them in to, for what's called an early adopter initiative. So what you do is you have a Zoom call, get them together for half an hour and you say, hey, this is what we want to achieve with this community. This is what we see as the vision, the potential. Like we can all benefit from all this amazing experience that we've got, okay? But this is what we're asking you to do is to just come in here for a couple of weeks, you know, start having some conversations and then let us know 
what's wrong with our community? Is the design busy? Is it too complicated to get started? Do you want to sign up with different accounts? All that kind of practical discussion. And you do that in the community. So you're sending a very clear message to those 20 people. This, like, we, we need, we want your insight. We want you to be open and give them permission to provide that feedback. Then after a couple of weeks, oh, well, well, sorry, during that 22-week uh, period, make sure you share lots of content, uh, have lots of conversation starters to get people comfortable posting, just like you were talking about earlier on. And then after a couple of weeks, <coughs> bring in another 20 or 30 people, another cohort. And those now 20 or 30 people, they're going to come in and there's already lots of conversation that's in there. And then ask the same thing. Get them on a 30-minute Zoom call. Explain the purpose of the community. Get them participating. And as people participate more and more, recognize them, validate them. You know, so for example, if you kick off a, a discussion, which is, um, let's say we're talking about remote working, and, and, and you kick off a discussion saying, hey, hey, everyone, please share with us your favorite YouTube videos about doing remote working well, okay? When people share their videos, thank them for it. Say, wow, that was really cool, but I noticed this part of the video that was really interesting. What do you think about that? You always need to kind of keep the awkward small talk going at the beginning to get people used to sharing and, 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 and providing input and then always regularly validate them. And then at that point, you can then kick the doors open and open your community more broadly and encourage people to come in. Now, in terms of getting people into your community, this is where content's really important is, is you know, blogging and podcasting and all those kinds of things are helpful content mediums. I would recommend if you have a limited amount of time, just blog a lot, write a lot of blog posts, post those blog posts inside of your community as well, and then do a lot of social media. Um, promote your blog post. If there's interesting conversations in social media, you can put them out there as well. I've got a whole bunch of YouTube videos on my channel that kind of walks through how to do this. And then, and then the key thing is, is, is just watch the metrics and you know, see, see what the numbers look like. If you're finding a lot of people aren't signing up, then give them more of a reason to sign up. Maybe they can sign up and they get a free ebook or they're eligible for other benefits such as training or other pieces. Um, and then gradually, bit by bit, your community will grow. But as I mentioned earlier on, the key thing is to be generous, is to always give them a reason to come back. Great content, great discussion, uh, validate them, make them feel good about what they're doing. And then before long, it will gather the right kind of momentum and people will be coming back more regularly. Okay, awesome. Thanks for for that detailed explanations. Um, last question, what do you think, how long to expect until building a community? And uh, another, another last question, um, yep. how many content pieces do you think um, is necessary to post in the beginning? Is it daily, is it three right. a day? Uh, what do you think? So what I'd recommend is you wanna make sure you've got at least two to three conversation starters a week. Right, so I recommend Mondays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Is that's where you ask your 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 community to feed in, share, ask that you know what are your favorite events, what videos do you like, what kind of books have you read recently that you'd like, all that kind of stuff, based upon your topic. I'd recommend you put ideally at least one to two blog posts out a week as well, because people are going to come back for that content. Um, that's that's definitely what I would what I would suggest in terms of time. Um, realistically, it takes at least six to 12 months to kind of b build that momentum. You know, building communities is not, is not effortless, right? It, 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 it requires work. It requires time. Um, and if you're running a company and you've got employees working for you, a big chunk of this is going to be making sure that you, as a, as a, as a leader, that you're always getting your employees excited about the community, but also, you know, emphasizing 
you know this is a real opportunity like a lot of people talk about the most important thing with businesses is their products it isn't it's your it's your it's your customers it's your users and the community is bringing those people together where they can get a lot of value out of it so that's critical too awesome awesome Jonas. uh thanks for sharing all that stuff with us today and um wish you personally all the best for your business um, hopefully you guys liked that episode. If you want to learn more about John O'Bacon, uh, you can go to his YouTube channel or you go on johnobacon.com um, or maybe you read his articles on Forbes and uh, we uh, leave all the links below in the description. Thanks guys for listening. Thanks Jonah for being here. All the best. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.